0: Welcome to the most entertaining engaging and charismatic podcast welcome to the most overrated underappreciated most viewed underviewed podcast of all time welcome to the prince of fresh air this is your host you already know the most charismatic man in entertainment and i want to say happy holidays everybody hope you had a good time with the family you know thanksgiving christmas i had a good time drunk a lot of uh water you know, I'm a child of God, you know, but also have my uh, Jack and Coke full of cheesecake, macaroni, cheese, mashed potatoes, turkey, the whole works, fried turkey. You know, we do a big and, uh, you know, we right back to where we need to be. And I'm looking forward to this conversation with my next guest, my girlfriend, actually, Natalie. Uh, you know, we have some fun. We have some jokes, but I think it's important, you know, on this podcast like I always say it's important to have conversations with different voices and i think there's nothing more powerful than having women come on and express their own opinion so you know we're going to be talking about a variety of subjects in this we're not we're going to take the gloves off you know we're not kids we're not at the playground we we are on the most charismatic podcast so uh, i hope you guys enjoy this conversation and i hope you learn something from it but it's not serious. Sit back, relax, enjoy with the family, grab a beer, eat leftovers, do whatever you do, enjoy, and let's get ready to the action in three, two. Oh, by the way, if you want to sponsor this podcast, just hit me up on Instagram at Percy. i gladly appreciate it. Now, nonetheless, let's get back to the episode in three, two, one. I'm excited to have her on because we're going to talk about a lot of topics. And uh, please give a warm welcome or boo if you want, whatever you choose. I, I'll discriminate. But please introduce Natalie Forrester. Welcome to the most charismatic podcast.
1: Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night.
0: <laughs> oh, come on.
1: What? i don't
0: care. That was nice. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm inviting everybody in for this conversation.
0: So you know, before we get into it, uh, do you want to tell people how you stalked me for for many years before we got together?
1: You are so so funny. <laughs> I feel like we discussed this a little bit in the last episode. I could be wrong. I'm um, sorry if my voice is fading in and now I'm having very bad allergies. Um. But no, I mean, we knew each other in undergrad and with the pandemic going on, we ended up just reconnecting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's not too complicated of a story.
0: That's true. But, you know, I think, uh, enough small talk. Let's get into the nitty gritty of it because Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) it's always wonderful to have, uh, uh, a woman's perspective on some of these topics and issues that I address on this podcast. So first, one of the things I do want to talk about, and we talked about this briefly, um, beauty standards. And in our last episode, the two-part episode, we did touch on about social media, but social media has definitely played a part in the beauty standards set for women and men, but particularly women. Um, How do you feel about the current Uh, landscape of uh, what women should look like, what is more desirable in a woman um, and all those traits that come with social media, do you think there's still uh, oh, actually I wouldn't even say that, I would say do you think beauty standards have gotten more extreme for women than they have before
1: I mean, I don't know if i necessarily say they've become more extreme, I think we really did see a serious extreme timeline during the 90s with the heroin chic type models I don't know if you know what that is when I say that um but basically the models who were walking the catwalk were expected to be like 80 90 pounds of this current height and that was what the idea of beauty was at that time which we and after the media really led on with that that's when we really started to see a serious rise with things like eating disorders so I wouldn't say that right now is necessarily the most I wouldn't say it's the worst time when it comes to things like beauty standards I do think that the pandemic helped in a sense because women became to normalize more like going without makeup or with less makeup so I do think it's shifting a little bit, so I can't say if it's shifting for the better or worse of the time period, because I do think we're in a transition phase.
0: But, so I would, I would say, for a prime example, I'll, I'll ask you about her, Lizzo. I've talked about it a few times. She's been center of controversy, especially when it comes to how women are presented, um, especially when it comes to entertainment, because history dictates, especially in, in the inter- entertainment field when it comes from uh, music videos to Hollywood productions to everything entertainment, it seems to me like the trend of nice face, small hips, big butt, uh, big boobs, that was like always been a staple. And even now, you still kind of see some uh, traces of it still. Um, Do you think that that standard is still much designed in society and people like Lizzo are um, only celebrated and accepted because they're rich or famous. But people don't really want to see that.
1: I wouldn't even say that she's celebrated and respected. I mean, I go on things like TikTok and all I see are videos of people making fun of Lizzo's weight, which I think is just completely unacceptable because that's not really the focus who she is as an individual she's not like a model or anything where like weight actually has something in her field she's a singer like i the fact that there's even a focus when it comes to something like that is just ridiculous to me um but i do i think we as a society are shifting back so we see the celebrities who are known for like the big butts like Kim kardashian and chloe kardashian things like that and they're getting their bbls removed right now um within the past couple months we've seen a lot of celebrities start to revert back to an idea that we had more in the 90s so again i think we're really in a transition phase when it comes to what we're looking for as a society and what the beauty standard is shifting into i mean The beauty standard will always be toxic because I don't think we will ever reach a point where everybody's considered equal or everybody is respected for what they look like. I think we're always going to have things like fat phobia or even like um, skinny shaming and stuff like that for people saying, oh, you need to eat more. Oh, you need to eat less or so. And so I think we all try to pick apart each other, regardless whether it's right or wrong. I don't think that's necessarily going to go away. It's just a matter of what are we shaping our society into now to see as, like, the liked things and the disliked things. Yeah,
0: it's it's one of those things, like, uh, I've talked to buddies. I'm sure I've talked to you about it before. It's like, um, you know, the rise of the social media influences from Instagram to YouTube. um, It's like a common trend with the way how a lot of these women look. And, you know, it's one of those things where it it makes it hard for for people to think differently you know a lot of people like to say you know men are very uh you know dogs be only like women for their curves and i don't think that's true but when you look at you know the media especially nowadays when a lot of uh influencers if you will are only modeling in bikini suits and doing all this uh photoshop on their pictures to make themselves bigger in certain areas i think it makes it harder for that and on top of that, too, I also think, you know, with the rise of like OnlyFans and certain platforms like that is also making it a challenge. Um, how do you feel about OnlyFans? Because some people think that, um, you know, it's just a quick, cheap way to get uh, make some money. And then other people say, you know what, let women do their thing. You know, it's nothing wrong with what they're doing um, and they should be celebrated for whatever job they decide to do.
1: I see absolutely no problems with OnlyFans. I might be in the minority here for most people. I I realistically probably am in the minority. It's just I feel like a lot of women are going to get unwanted attention regardless. So if they want to make a profit off the same creeps who are going to catcall them on the street saying this or that, or like make comments to them like when they're not asking for it if they're gonna make a profit off these people who want to buy it and want to like say things about their bodies like go for it like you're gonna deal with this regardless obviously you're gonna be dealing with more comments with that if you make an only fans but at least it's doing something positive in your life and not just negative
0: but can i ask you a question i uh, someone made a good point it was um I can't remember what male celebrity it was, but I just watched an interview not too long ago. And he talked about OnlyFans. And he said that, you know what? I, I, I celebrate the fact that women can work. And, you know, they have multiple ways of making money. However, when you look at, you know, the longevity of it, you know, it's cool when you're in your 20s and, you know, everything is still great. But as you age and your looks decline... What are you going to show for when you go for a job interview? And it's like um, he was talking about um, how he feels like OnlyFans is uh, just a quick way to make money. But it's not something that is a long term investment because you got to think about when you have kids, if you don't have kids, uh, how it impact relationships You know, with you know, a future husband, a future boyfriend, whatever the case may be, how it impact uh, as you get older. You know, because a lot of times when it comes to places like OnlyFans is really relied on looks. And we all know as you age, you slowly start becoming less desirable. And it's funny because I watched the influencer. She was talking about she she came out, and did a whole uh, article on TMZ. And she said that she lost uh, about 60 percent of her subscribers in the last couple months due to inflation and, you know, whatever the case may be. And now. She's struggling to pay rent, although she still makes about $10,000 a month. And it's like, you know, when you hear figures like that, it's like, oh, okay, it's worth it. But do you think that it's, it's something that should just be more of a short term until I find something a little more stable in life? Or do you just think that they should be able to do whatever they want?
1: I mean, I think in the long run, it's, I mean, it's not going to be something that's around forever for every single individual. It's something you have to really pre-plan what you're going to do with the money, how you're going to spend the money. And I know we've touched upon this last episode, but it's really a matter of just living within your means and really planning for the future. I don't fully understand why people are considered like unprofessional for doing OnlyFans. Obviously, I know during certain or in offices things like political leaders probably should not have an OnlyFans for many many reasons um but I don't really see it as a negative to be completely honest to be on OnlyFans I think as long as you aren't spending your money unwisely that you make off of it and are saving for the future and if you have like a romantic partner in your life and you want to have kids if you have this discussion beforehand and just make smart choices I don't really see an issue with it because you I mean you could do OnlyFans like as a side thing while working another job but at the same time if you're making like 50k a month and it's a viable option and you end up doing it for a couple of years if you're still like pursuing other things on the side like one gap in your resume is not going to be an issue like there's gaps in resumes for people who go to jail and stuff like that and People are still able to get, like, good jobs after going to jail or joining, them. like, things where they would have other gaps in their resume. I, I don't really see the issue with it because it's still – you are making money. You're living within your means. It's, I, don't, I don't understand the issue that everybody has with OnlyFans. I really, really don't. Um, as long as the women are comfortable and not feeling, like, pressured into doing it. As long as, you know, they're not spending all their money at Chanel – or buying like multi-million dollar homes that they can't afford, as long as they actually are doing things in a responsible and respectable way and they have the conversations with the people they need to prior to doing this, I, I don't see the issue.
0: Oh, me neither. Can I get a amen?
1: <laughs> I think we're in the minority here.
0: <laughs> oh, is that a race joke? Yes, I know I'm a minority.
1: Shut up. <laughs> we're always bringing race into it.
0: Hey, it's 2022. Give it the program. Um, but yeah, you made some good points. And I think uh, one issue I do want to talk about because this has been a big thing, and especially for you, um, you know, you graduated Pace University, got your master's, uh, you got a full time job, which is amazing. So we already know she's a, you know, she has a full time career. And I'm an actor, so we already know who's the breadwinner in this relationship. Um, But anyway, I digress. But I think female pay, um, equal pay has been a big thing in the last few years. And now for you entering the workforce, um, how do you feel about the argument? Because some people still think it's outdated. Some people think that um, it's not the case. But many people, men and women, also say there is a pay disparity how do you feel about um, that? Do you think um, women are still getting paid less than men in 2022?
1: I mean, I'm 23 years old. I don't really think I am in the place where I have enough information to say this or that on the topic. I would need to see the physical numbers and to experience more of life before I really can say I have an outlook on it that somebody else at my age wouldn't. I do know that 10% or less of CEOs are women still it's on the Forbes 500 list that is Uh, or Fortune 500 excuse me I do know when it comes to like that and even like in the political climate about 20% of women globally are in positions of political power so we do already see disparity when it comes to power dynamics I don't know the numbers when it comes to money I'm I would definitely bet that there is still a different pay difference. I just, I don't know the numbers well enough to be able to make a claim on that. I will say, I do think there's obviously going to be a lot of pay differences, especially when it comes to the pandemic. People who started working prior to the pandemic versus now. So some jobs start at like seven twenty-five. That's like the minimum wage um, that's set federally places were still hiring that pre-pandemic and now they're hiring like ten dollars an hour i do think there's pay disparities there overall i just think this is a conversation that people should be having in the workplace co-workers should be discussing how much they make with each other who have a similar background and been there for a similar time period because if we don't talk about it we're never gonna have these issues resolved and companies don't want us to talk about it but it's not illegal for us to talk about it. Like it should be encouraged for everybody to discuss where they're at, why they think they make this much and see the disparities.
0: You know, this conversation really kind of started picking up steam and I've talked about it a couple of times already, but I-, I see it especially happening. And when it comes to sports, um, you know, the famous WNBA versus NBA argument that happens, Um you know, other sports like soccer, um, are being uh, a lot of female athletes are being outspoken. When you when you when when it comes to sports, do you think um, there's a reason why there's a pay gap between men and women when it comes to like the NFL, uh, not the NFL, but like the NBA, WNBA, soccer, um, you know, sports that both men and women compete in. Do you think that there is? a legitimate reason or do you just think that it's just one of those things where women would just keep getting underpaid
1: i think it's just very clear about who's bringing the audience like that's a horrible thing to say but women as a whole are collectively less interested in watching sports and men want to watch men more than women traditionally things like boxing and stuff like that i don't know enough about so it might men still might be very interested in watching females as well as males when it comes to like nba wnba nobody really wants to watch wnba over nba as horrible as that sounds it's just the numbers the viewings and that's what you're paying for you're paying for the name of these individuals
0: yeah you know and the reason why i i've been um I've spoken about it. Like, I know Brittany Griner, unfortunate for her situation, but with her recent uh, uh, happenings in the media, she's also, and her family, has started the conversation of the the lack of pay between, let's say, a Brittany Griner and a LeBron James. And I think one of the arguments that a lot of people make, too, is the fact that, I'll tell you this, when we went to, when we was at St. Bynaventure, I went to one of the women's games, and it was one of those days where I had no homework. I had no acting practice. I, I, I just had some time. So I said, let me pop over to the Riley Center and watch a game. And I tell you right now, compared to the men's game, when it's packed to the walls, people sitting in the hallway, it was so empty in that arena that I literally sat on the floor where they was playing. That's how empty it was. And I'm not I'm not saying that in a, in a mean way, but you know, one thing I always say is if, if you want things to change, it's all about viewership, it's all about business. And if the WNBA want to get paid like LeBron, then they have to generate the, the same revenue as LeBron, the same interest as LeBron, the same viewership as LeBron. And I, I think that we it, it has hurt the case when every time, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, you know, the automatic excuses, you know, sexism, you know, now, I'm not saying sexism don't happen, but I think it's, this is not exactly helping the cause. I think if more women, um, even if, if even if they don't want to do with guys to go to the bar, have some bar food, drink alcohol, watch the game, bet, y'all have to do that. But I think if more women just gave a little look at the WNBA, look at the women's volleyball team, look at the women's soccer team it might help um how I do you wouldn't think? even
1: say that it's more women should be doing it. i think fans regardless if you're a really big basketball person you should be knowing what's going on in both nba and wnba i don't really think this is necessarily a gender thing i do think it would help if more women watch sports because i feel like women are more inclined to watch female sports I think we, as a society, we still just put men traditionally more on a pedestal. They have more testosterone, so a lot of sports they do excel in more than females do. I will say, I think personally, some of the best athletes that we have witnessed in the past, like twenty years, Serena Williams included some of them are women i would much rather watch women's tennis than male tennis i'm not really a tennis person in general but i mean i think we see better competition still in some female sports than male sports it's just a matter of getting over the mindset of these values that we've already put into male basketball male soccer male baseball and just really try to shift the focus i also think a lot of it is based on basically what we can do i know espn traditionally they are very very big when it comes to streaming baseball however for like professional women softball stuff like that that's like espn four or five whatever number they're at now um i think we just don't really have the access to access a lot of the women's sports as well which i see as an issue of course that again has to do with viewership but i think there is some interest there it's just a matter of Make it more accessible to people.
0: You know, I, I know you don't like watching MMA with me. UFC, you should. Uh, but I always say... am not like, a
1: fighting person. It's not
0: about the fight. It's about the entertainment. Seeing <laughs> blood getting dripped <laughs> out. Know, if I want to watch no. that,
1: it's a horror movie.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And two <laughs> dudes sweaty. That just does not sound interesting to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I take that back.
0: I'll take that back. I still watch <laughs> UFC. Though. I still watch it. But uh-huh. I was going to say like even with like one thing I will say about UFC is the fact that it's not a team sport. It's not divided by uh there's not a UFC and a W UFC is one entity. And even the promoter, he he's came out Dana White, lo- love the dude, great businessman. He's even you know, for many years didn't want to have women fighting in the UFC, fighting in MMA. And over the last, you know, six years he's made that such a big thing. And I would say Amanda Nunes, Ronda Rousey, uh, Holly Holm, Valentina Shevchenko are women that made some of the greatest fights I've ever seen. Amanda Nunes, one of the, is the greatest female of all time. Chris Cyborg. Uh Julia Pena. There's so many. Uh, it, this is one of those sports where it's not paid. You're not getting paid just based off your gender. You're getting paid based off your resume, how many fights you have, uh, whether you're a champion, if you're fighting in a main event, uh, you are uh, you a uh, main card attraction. And some of the best fights I've ever seen were for women. And a lot of these women, like Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, make more money than I would say 80% of the roster. I'm talking Uh, about men and women. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say there's only two names from UFC that I recognize, and those are Ronda Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. So the fact that two or one of the two people that I actually know the name of is a woman, just shows that we do have accessibility somewhere in some sport, so that you can see both men and women, which I think is wonderful.
0: Yeah, when you join the Olympics.
1: Me joining the Olympics. Yep, I will never be Simone Biles. I love Simone Biles. I respect her, but I will never be able to do any of that.
0: You so cold. And to I'm me.
1: aware of it. <laughs> what?
0: You so cold to me. You would win in snowboarding with no no problem.
1: I've never snowboard. Listen, I want to go snowboarding. So if this is you asking me on a date to slopes and attempting to learn how to snowboard, I am all in. However, I will probably fall a lot, and you will probably tumble down the hill and somehow be a giant snowball at the bottom of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this might be a <laughs> date. No man, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna turn into a white man. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, mm. inter mm. interrelation, uh, interracial relationships. That's what it is. A lot of mm. people think it changes you, <laughs> but you know, an- another topic I want I did want to talk about. We actually you've asked me some really good questions about it because we are, uh, interracial couple. Um, you know, you being uh, uh, whatever you are, and me being Thanks the tall you. chocolate. <laughs>
1: whatever you are what does that mean you could be calling me an oompa loompa right now for all i know
0: hey i i didn't say you said it. i'm just saying Uh uh-huh you said not me i'm 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 innocent Uh i know my rights
1: I, i listen i don't spray tan at least so i don't think i look like an oompa loompa however i have called some white people oompa loompas before so
0: unbelievable
1: they look like Oompa Loompas and they have like the orange spray tan. I can't, I can't.
0: See, that's colorism at its finest. I can't believe... If you
1: were spray-painted orange, I have to laugh at you. I am sorry. Some.
0: I've seen quite a few in Long Island. I'm like, <laughs> whose mother is this? Whose mother is this?
1: I just accept that I'm really, really pale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Continue.
0: But I wanted to ask you, because this has been a, a recent talking point uh, in our culture, the use of the N-word. Now, this one discussion when it re- regards to minorities, and then there's the other discussion of, there was a, a girl on TikTok who, who went famous for, uh, or oh, she went viral for singing a rap song, and she was saying all the N-words in the, in the song without thinking, just having a good old time in front of the camera. Um, Do you think that white people should be able to say the N-word? Even if it's... What What type of
1: question is that? No, (laughs) absolutely not. I'm the person who will fight people who hear it.
0: But what about... What if, if they rap into a rap song and it has it?
1: No, that's still stupid. You wouldn't say any other like racial slur or others like you wouldn't call somebody like the f word if that's used in a song by a queer individual no absolutely not you wouldn't say like the c word for like an asian individual no like i don't care if the word is not applied to you and you are not a part of that community you have no place in saying it whatsoever like like, i don't understand why people can't get this across and it's not even just people going viral it's like, we see this very often at, like universities. This happened at our own university after you graduated, where there was a video that was going around of people singing Freaky Friday by Chris Brown saying the N-word repeatedly, 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 because, you know, he says it 50 billion times in that song. And it's just, who gives you the right to think that it's okay? I just don't, like, it's just ridiculous. I don't. I don't understand, but the answer is no, you should not be saying it, and it's freaking stupid if you think you can say it.
0: Do you... And, I, you know, one of the reasons why I asked that is because it sounds like an obvious answer, but I have heard people, uh, minorities and, you know, uh, white people in alike say that if it's to a rap song, you know, it's kind of hard to, especially when you know all the lyrics, to forget to not say it, so... You know, people like Justin Bieber no. has been criticized before. but do <laughs> has, you think a song it, is no
1: I think songs are like if it's obviously like a black individual Korean song it's harmless I think the issue that I have with that argument is I would absolutely never say the word and I listen to rap music all the time I hear that word all the time and that's not necessarily just a rap music thing but it's predominantly rap music when I think about it Just because a lot of like pop singers and country singers are not people of color. There is a very clear divide when it comes to things like that. But I would never feel like I would say it on accident because that word is just not in my vocabulary. If I ever called you it and I never will, it it would come out like very like creepy sounding out of my mouth because I've never said it. So I've only ever heard other people say it. I'm going to sound freaking weird if I ever attempt to say it, and I never will attempt to say it, but it's just something that's going to sound so uncomfortable coming out of my mouth that I would never... Like, the idea of saying it just seems so blatantly wrong in my head that I could never see myself saying it out loud. Like, it's just... <laughs> and no, I don't say it in my head, but, like, when I'm listening to music, like, oh, you got a song stuck in your head. You know what I mean. Um, but it's just... If it's not in your vocabulary, it's not a word that you're comfortable saying with, like, if it's not a word that you're used to using, you're not going to say it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. But I mean, that could be very confusing sounding. I think it's kind of straightforward. If you're not used to saying a word, you're not going to say the word. It's like pronouncing somebody's name. If you're not used to pronouncing somebody's name, if you try to pronounce somebody's name, even if you've heard it before, it's going to come out sounding wrong. And in these videos, it's very clear people, I think Justin Bieber did back in like 2012, But like, it's very clear that these people have practiced saying this word. (laughs) Like, it sounds very normal and comfortable flowing out of their mouth. Like, it wouldn't sound like that for me or like a lot of my friends who are white. Like, it's just...
0: Yeah. (laughs) Now, I want to ask you a a deep kind of question. Do you feel that ever since, as much as I'm charismatic, tall, chocolate, (laughs) I am a black man, and you're, you know, white, do you feel like people look at you differently, or you've seen people treat you differently, like when we started dating, compared to, you know, other people you've dated?
1: I mean, I've never very much been open with most of my relationships and the fact that I I just kind of like to bring things to myself and just, I don't let family and everybody really know about it most of the time. You were an exception and obviously I'm from a small town in rural Pennsylvania. It wasn't exactly taken the best by every individual, however they've learned since then to not be racist, and I've realized that even though we do have different backgrounds and different skin colors, it's, you're you're still a good person, and I think some people just need to realize that you're still human too. Um, I I think people. How do I put this? I don't know if people necessarily look at me differently. I I think, I think there's still some questions here and there that people back home have and like I've heard people say like derogatory comments here and there um but I think that's still just them really not knowing any better a lot of the time, especially when it comes to like the elderly community yeah. um I, I think it helps though being that we live in New York City or I live in New York City and you are from New York City so like here pretty much anything goes. And so people are a lot more accepting of interracial relationships than they are back in my hometown. I will say there's certain places that I would, (laughs) I would try not to take you back in Pennsylvania, just because I know the crowd. They're, they're the types of people who have like Confederate flags on the back of their vehicles, even though, you know, PA was not part of the Confederacy and I know people like white people who say the n-word very freely and I would never want you around that crowd specifically just for safety reasons I I don't know how they would react so yes and no I I don't see anybody important in my life who has a reaction like a negative reaction to us being together at the moment, I do think there was like a little bit of like a stumbling in the beginning. And I do think that strangers back home specifically have a reaction. But in New York, anything goes and people are just more comfortable and accepting of everyone.
0: Yeah. I w- go to LA. You think everybody's accepting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think people in New York just don't really care. Like, it's none of your business here dating.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I think you know. I think a lot of people still feel like uh, it's taboo to to be a part of one. I've seen it change, like when when I was in elementary school to now, I've only really started seeing interracial dating in the like the last four years, and like uh, it's always been a taboo thing. Um do you think that we will get to a place where it's just widely accepted and people um are a little more open to it
1: I I think people are a little bit more open to it than they were already I think our generation is gonna be the generation that like really just lit us that it doesn't matter who you're dating, like uh racially. I I think we're just tired of the bullshit basically. <laughs> um so I w- I would like to think that obviously there's still elders of us who might necessarily not agree to our standards, but I think people are less likely to lash out now than they were before. Um, I do think that we've seen when it comes to like sexualities, I think there's more of an issue with people accepting of that than interracial relationships at the moment. And I think that's going to be something that we see more of an issue with also in the future. I think we're starting to finally come to a more accepting place when it comes to interracial dating. So you asked me about my take and how people treat me. How do people treat you? I know when we're out and about a lot, if we're traveling on the subway, people very often stop you and ask for directions. And I can imagine that's probably different when you're with me versus without me. So how do you think people perceive you both in like your family and friend circles along with just strangers dating a white person and being around a white woman? Well, I I would say
0: I see it more with like strangers. Like I've noticed, people seem less threatening, uh, threatened by me when I'm with you. People more, I mean, people come up to me regardless. You know, the hair. You know, people always want to get close to. Me. But I I've seen an increased amount of people actually like when we're together, especially like on the subway, stop me, ask me for directions. Um be more approachable to me. They seem uh like they don't have to hold on to their purse or be nervous when I walk past them. Um it's one of those things where I, I kinda knew that that was gonna happen. That's just usually the the thing that happens when it comes to you know dating uh especially a white person. This it's this form of security I think a lot of people get because I've seen the difference between like when we're together and when I'm with my brothers or my my friends, um, and it's definitely people feel less threatened, and I think uh, which is sad to see, because I'm not exactly the most uh, intimidating guy out there. I don't come off that way, at least I don't think so.
1: I mean, you are... Tall and like you got a lot of muscle, so like I like going out with you instead of traveling on some way myself because I do feel safer knowing that you are there. I think, I think anytime traveling with a man, I would feel safer than traveling by myself or traveling with one of my female friends. But I think the fact that I, I think in a way you do look more intimidating just based off of the height alone, and. I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's a race thing. I think it's a height thing mainly that people, in my opinion, are intimidated by. But of course, I mean, it's something you've probably experienced all your life. You've probably seen more of the race side than I have.
0: I, I think it. I think race does definitely plays a part because I've seen, like, you know, guys of other ethnicities bigger than me, and people don't flinch. But as soon as I start walking past, they not always, but I've seen the, the subtle cross in the street uh, clutching on to the purse thing, and I, I mean, I get it, especially in New York. I've lived there, so I know how how things are, but it's still kind of sad. Like, in certain neighborhoods, you would think people would be a little more friendly, but I noticed like when I'm with you, people are definitely a little more friendly with me than
1: usual. Yeah, they... They don't realize that you're actually the more approachable one I'm the unapproachable one between the two of us. Like a pit bull. <laughs> yeah, you got like the happy dog energy and I'm like a black cat ready to like pounce on anybody who annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm curious. Um, I know you said like when you're out with like your brothers and friends and stuff like that. You still get like weird looks and stuff like that. How, when you're out with other people of color versus when you're out by yourself, what do you, like, is there a different type of look you get? Like, do you feel like people are more comfortable with you when you're by yourself versus in a group?
0: Uh, it depends. Unfortunately, it depends. Like, if I'm with Odysseus, uh, he is definitely less threatening. When I'm with some of my friends in certain areas, everything is great, good. But then when we leave to a more uh, that, I wouldn't say diverse, um, but you know what I mean? A more white community. White
1: washed area. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's definitely uh, people looking sideways. And I've met a lot of, don't get me wrong, I've met a lot of awesome uh, people who don't judge. And I think that's a uh, that's a good thing um but i definitely notice like especially when i'm in a group people tend to be a little more scared and when i'm by myself i think the hair throws people off i ain't gonna lie i think it throws <laughs> off because people look at me i
1: think your hair throws off your family too like it's not just strangers <laughs> everybody has an opinion on the hair
0: well <laughs> uh, everybody can't look as good as me you know uh-huh. haters no nah, kidding <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, I think they hit those people off because people probably look at me like this dude scary looking, then they look dude, up I think and think you're like, like
1: a homeless Ooh. person based off your hair. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. whoa,
1: whoa. <laughs> I don't mean that in disrespect to you or homeless people, but like, yeah, you disrespect the homeless people. What's wrong with you, your, your hair? Isn't like clean cut, you know what I mean?
0: I'm not from the I don't military. know if you know, I know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like know John how to Cena. word that
1: quite right. But you know what I mean. Like when you're homeless, you're not gonna be easily accessible for haircuts. And I don't know when you last had a haircut, but it's probably been a decent while.
0: Why you hate yo, why you hate, my listen, hair
1: grows
0: fast. my hair grows listen, fast? Listen, your
1: hair makes you you and your hair makes you happy. But I like it when it's back in the ponytail because you have a very nice chiseled face and I think the hair distracts from that.
0: Well, I have been here put my well. That's that's why I only put my hair back because now, I'm like the hottest commodity in town. You know. Yeah,
1: you can't see your pretty eyebrows unless your hair is back, and you have better eyebrows than pretty much any woman I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, it's my, not fair.
0: My mom and sister <laughs> reminds me every time I see them.
1: Yeah, it's not fair.
0: <laughs> hey, blame f- Fidel Castro.
1: I'm sorry. What? <laughs>
0: Oh, no. that's my my dad's from Cuba, so
1: I, I know, but we don't say we're well, I mean, we can blame dictators for like anything, but like still,
0: I know I'm just being a fool
1: Too. I'm, I'm just being a fool, uh huh I know thats that's your natural personality. I get it,
0: yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I you know, I also do want to touch it, you know when we talk about beauty standards and stuff, I want to circle back there. I think, um, uh, one one topic that's been happening is the whole body positivity and the reason why I brought up Lizzo is because a lot of people it, it, there's two people on the fence There's the people that think that she's encouraging courage um, you know body positivity and then other people feel like it's promoting obesity it's promoting a unhealthy lifestyle um, how do you feel about the whole body positivity movement do you think it's is a good trend and a good cause to raise awareness for, or do you think um, some people has kind of ruined the whole message and point of the movement? I
1: mean, if we're gonna start with Lizzo, I I could definitely be wrong, but I believe Lizzo is vegan. She's either vegan or vegetarian, and she eats a very like healthy diet. I've seen like her like make meals and stuff like I, she posts this type of stuff. She eats very clean, and she does how much like twerking is stuff without on stage she's getting like a serious exercise in so I think a lot of hers probably is just like her body type does not want to shed weight and that's a very clear thing for a lot of people a lot of it is genetics and I don't think anybody should be saying anything nasty about her when she's eating healthy if she's living a healthy lifestyle and this is just how she happens to look I don't I don't see any issue with her specifically um I will say I don't really see <laughs> I don't really see the, bo- the positivity movement really doing anything um I mean I, there's been a little bit of an increase of people on the runway who are not size zero size two models but for the most part it's pretty much exactly where it was before this quote-unquote movement started you still go on the internet and see people getting fat shamed or skinny shamed, like constantly. <laughs> it's just, I think the body positivity movement is something that we collectively say is happening when it's not actually happening. And people use that as like a scapegoat type of excuse for things. I mean, it's it's great in theory. It's just, I don't really see it as something that's currently going on. I wish it was, but I just... It's kind of like an invisible friend, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've always been a supporter of body positivity. Like, there are some benefits to it. Like, I've seen it in the media. I've seen it in just life in general. You're seeing people being not discriminated because they don't look the 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 certain type. They don't look like the American college uh, athlete you know, or the America's next time model and they're getting great opportunities for it. However, I do think there is an important thing we have to talk about when it comes to the body positivity movement. And that's also addressing the unhealthy habits, whether you're, you know, eating disorders, which is, I'm not saying that that's an unhealthy lifestyle. That's just something a lot of some people go through, but you know, from eating disorders to people who, Um, who know that what they're doing is wrong for instance there was a YouTuber Amberlynn Reed. I haven't watched in a while but she was a a content creator she got famous for a while off of Vine and then when she got to TikTok she kind of blew up and she was I think her mother was on my 600 pound life and she always struggled with her weight she always fluctuated between 400 and like 650 pounds and when the whole body positivity movement started, she jumped on the train and she was like, you know what? I want to get myself healthy. I want to show that anybody can lose weight and whatever the case may be. And people were encouraging her. She's accepting donations. Uh, people are helping her out all the turn to see that, you know, her YouTube videos. Wait, the... can I
1: stop you for a second? Yeah. What is she accepting donations for? She
0: was embarking on a weight loss journey.
1: Okay, so that's she, still not answering my question. Is she accepting donations for like a gastric bypass? That
0: was something or that like, that for like was for healthy like healthy
1: food or like
0: <laughs> healthy food because healthy
1: food she should be able to pay for that being a lifestyle influencer. Anyways, the idea of profiting off of doing something like a change that you're having done that's not like surgery or something that doesn't require a lot of money. It just, I don't know that, that irks me a little bit. It just doesn't sound right.
0: Well, no, the, well, there's it, well, obviously things wrong with the, the money problem that, that was happening in the, the GoFundMe and stuff. But I think for her, the reason why it got to the point where she started really asking was her content stopped getting viewed as much because this was the second time she was going on a weight loss journey. The first time, she did it for a week. She went to a doctor. She, you know, tried to work out, Um, and she lost, like, five pounds. But then after day five, she went back to just making cheeseburger videos, eating fast food, and then complaining that she wasn't able to So lose she weight. did
1: it for the clout, Yeah, basically? Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: but the thing that I think upsetted people the most was the fact that then she went on a tirade that everybody was fat shaming her. Uh, you know she wasn't making money off YouTube because she was fat. Um, and you know people want to see her die because she's obese and nobody cares about her. Um, it, it's just a, a multitude of things. But when I think when she started lashing out at people, uh, about the comments that they made, I think she really made the ugly side come out. Um, but that's just one example. I, I, I just, for me, I think that it's great to promote by all types types of bodies. But I think it's also times when we actually need to, you know, say goodbye to the Victoria's Secret models. You know, because that, that whole beauty standard in itself is unhealthy. You know, girls are known to eat us, you know, A lunch and then you know throw it up to to look good for the next uh photo shoot uh the unhealthy lifestyles they have to maintain just to look a certain way um do you think when it comes to models and stuff because a lot of people still think that you know it's it's still the american tradition to look like a supermodel um do you think that stigma needs to go away, especially when we hear about the the eating habits and the eating disorders and the trouble that a lot of these women go through?
1: I, so I've never been a supermodel type of person strictly based on the fact that I am 5'3". And I it doesn't make sense to me that only a certain height of people could be considered this beautiful thing. Like, you don't have control over your height as you do have somewhat of control over your weight, not like a huge amount, but like you have control of really what you put into your body. So I, I don't understand the idea of supermodels to begin with. And the idea of like these heroin chic models are like the Victoria's Secret supermodels. I mean, I get that it's promoting like a fantasy type of thing, but I think we as a society forget that that's what it is. It's the fantasy. It's not reality. And I think people strive and hope for this expectation and that that's where, what they're going to look like. And that's really what starts feeding into things like eating disorders. And, you know, once you have an eating disorder, it's not exactly an easy thing to shake. It's not like you decide, oh, yeah, like I've this one go for a while. That's going to make my life so much better. It's, it's something that gets in your brain and eats at you. And it's hard to ignore something like that. So I think... I I think we need to have a clear representation of all bodies, whether it is these really skinny people, which I don't necessarily see a problem with because, again, some people naturally have that type of body, or it's somebody like me who's like a size eight who naturally has curves, or somebody who is plus size. Like, as long as we have the actual collection of all people and recognize, regardless of what number we are, what height we are what race we are, what nationality. Like, as long as we actually have a group of people that represent society, I don't see an issue with anything when it comes to the fashion industry. But the issue is that that's is not where we're at. And I don't see us being there anytime soon. Do,
0: do you think it's fat shaming for some of these fashion brands to make clothing only for a specific type of person? Like some um, clothing lines, especially big ones, have been criticized for their lack of diversity and sizes. It's usually the the average American or the slim, thin American that they make these high end, uh, custom clothes for, or you know, just highly expensive clothing. Do you think it is kind of fat shaming that these uh, companies don't make more diverse clothing, or do you just think that it's one of those things where it's up? it's up to the company and uh you know if they don't want to make it for for everybody then you know just go somewhere else
1: I wouldn't say it's bad shaming it's just really really shitty um but there have been directors for the company saying very fat comments I know the um the CEO of Abercrombie and Fitch was called out many many times for saying that he only makes clothes for skinny people because he doesn't want fat people to be like displaying the brand and that's messed up in so many ways and shapes and forms it's just but i mean that was also a brand that had topless models or topless male models like walking around the stores trying to throw the clothing so i mean i think our standards for them are pretty low to begin with um i i I'm very much not a fan of Brandy Melville because they only make through like a certain size. I can never fit into Brandy Melville clothing. Um, I have a big chest and their shirts, I believe are all a one size fits all type of thing. And you know, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not, not much of my body type. And I'm, I'm not even like a big individual. I just have a big chest. So it's like, <laughs> it's just messed up. I think... <laughs> I feel almost as fat phobic like how some brands will take an item from like XS to XL and then one gets like 2X plus then they take the item but they modify it to make it more like pilgrim looking or more like Disney themed or whatever like we get it like you think that chubby women can't exactly dress the same way as everyone else and that's not true like if this could fit on somebody extra small or XL, that it can also fit on a 2X person. If you just make it a little bit bigger, you don't need to add these modifications that make it uglier. You see that more as that public than anything. I just think the industry as a whole still, we we just need more representation on all fronts. I think the fashion industry is just glorifying this idea of a dream, a dream of, of fantasy or whatever. And it's just not recognizing who we are as a society.
0: Do you, do you think it'll Because we have seen it change and get better with time. Do you think in, you know, 30 years um, things are going to be a lot different than they are now? Or do you think it's going to just be one of those things where the upper 1% is always going to control the narrative? So the whole beauty standards for women and men um, is always going to be there and they're going to keep a force in it. Cause when you think about it, um, you know, when you, when we talk about Victoria's secret when model, when we talk about social media, when we talk about major fashion brands, they're the ones that ultimately choose which type of people they want to model. And some of them are be- becoming a little more inclusive, you know. Nike, I have noticed, has been diversifying their their talent, but um, I, th- I still think we have a long ways to go. Do you think there is hope that things will get better with time?
1: I mean, I think there's always hope. I I don't know enough about the fashion industry yet. I just see things as a consumer of the industry, of a consumer media. I think there's always hope, but I personally am concerned that things like this heroin cheek fashion are starting to come back and people are getting rid of BBLs, which for a while, like Kim Kardashian's butt is the reason why people were more acceptable with big butts as like a collective. Obviously, that's what I'm saying that like it's more of like white people are not fine with big butts beforehand, things like that. Like we were just like, oh, everyone needs to be a size zero to be pretty. Um, And I, I think the Kardashians love them or hate them. I think that they had normalized having curvies or curvy bodies. Um, I, I mean, I want to say I have hope for the future. I do see some positives. I know Victoria's Secret specifically has had a lot of problems over the past couple of years after. Um, comments have come out about like the trans community and about people of color and like fat phobic comments and stuff like that so they are having a current change in leadership and they're trying to shift their brand and stuff like that they're becoming more inclusive with people of color so like that they're not necessarily becoming more inclusive with the side range size range excuse me but I think we're starting to see more indie brands come out, which are inclusive. So it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there is a shift going on in the industry. But I don't really think we're in the place where you can really predict the future. I can only hope that things will change for the better.
0: Well, I don't know what the future holds, but I hope you're in it. that was really lame. Oh.
1: You tried. You really tried. You you, you, you see what I get? That was like you went in for a layup and you just missed the basket altogether. (laughs) You really tried.
0: You know, this show is over. You know, my heart is broken. I I quit. Uh Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. That's
0: messed up. That's
1: messed up. Uh, Yeah, yeah if you say so
0: you know what (laughs) you gotta be more
1: creative than that
0: come on that was smooth you can't come at me
1: with some trite comments and expect a big reaction no you gotta be more creative
0: well i'm gonna creatively end this podcast because Uh you know you hurt my feelings
1: okay
0: i'm gonna go crown the shower to justin timberlake all because of you
1: to Justin Timberlake. Are you going to recreate the crying River music video?
0: No, I'm listening to Sexy Back.
1: That, that's what you're crying over? Yeah. You're, you're listening to Sexy Try Back? To you're not even back. listening to like what goes around, comes around?
0: I actually listened to that early today.
1: That's such a good song, especially the outro. The outro is the best part of the song.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. As,
1: so underrated I
0: know who would have thought a guy from the, 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 the projects listens to Justin Timberlake
1: um,
0: do there. they
1: know your favorite musician or your favorite you band excuse me I feel like we need to get into this, this Justin Timberlake is not that embarrassing this man however is a huge huge fan of Coldplay and I think the podcast listeners need to know that.
0: Well, you just lost <laughs> me listeners.
1: <so. laughs> it's kind of adorable. Like that's not, I, I cannot even listen to Coldplay and appreciate Coldplay. So it's the fact that you really, really jam out to some of their songs is just fascinating to me.
0: Because <laughs> you, 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 you don't, you don't understand art the way I do.
1: Uh uh-huh. I don't understand art. <laughs> hey,
0: Coldplay got me through some rough times in high school.
1: How old were you in high school? Like, was Coldplay actually big still when you were in high school? Or were you know. just listening to, like, Yellow and stuff like that? No. From, like, however I... many years prior?
0: Uh, I think A Sky Full of Stars came out around the time I was in, like, junior year, senior year.
1: That song is not good, though.
0: But they got me through some some, some breakups, some lonely days, <laughs> some drunk driving. Only...
1: No, oh, so the only good Coldplay song, in my opinion, is The Scientist. And I like that song more when other people cover it and it's not actually Chris Martin singing.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: I don't know. I can't. Why didn't she date you? like gwyneth paltrow or like one of them
0: yeah one, one of the
1: basics yeah i was like it's one of the blonde women i wasn't sure because they're all like this blonde people all look the same to me and hollywood for the most part which might sound bad like the 40 year old blonde women a lot of them look similar
0: i'm staying out of this <laughs> It it's sounds time. like a setup by the FBI. It's fine.
1: I mean, there's also like Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel and a couple others also look really similar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I'll say nothing. <laughs> but um any 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 thing I wanna ask you if you can tell your younger self anything well about, about beauty standards, about uh life in general, what is one thing you think you would tell your younger self?
1: I think I would remind my younger self that the picture-perfect movie stories, whether it's what the characters are supposed to look like or how they're supposed to act or how things are supposed to happen, movies aren't real life. (laughs) And these miracles and these, you know, these like beauty standards that we look at, it's just, it's not accurate. Obviously some people can end up having these happily ever after stories in high school. And some people can become supermodels and look like these models, but to try to chase after and this dream life that you see in a movie is just so unrealistic and in the long run will be damaging.
0: Oh, that's well said.
1: I think we look at especially when it comes to like high school media we look at like these actors who are like 24 and 25 and we just are like well, I'm supposed to look like that. Like I'm supposed to look like Maddie in Euphoria or I'm supposed to look like um, one of the gossip girl characters, I'm supposed to look at that. And then you find out their actual ages and stuff like that, and you're like, wait, like, 25-year-olds are playing 15-year-olds. Like, how am I supposed to look like that? Or, like, we see these plot lines where it's just like, oh, you're not gonna be like, flown across the other side of the country and just end up happily falling in love with a celebrity that you meet one time. Like, that's... <laughs> it's just so unrealistic and i think especially when we're in our teenage years we think the world revolves around ourselves so these ideas while they might be unrealistic and we might know that to a degree i think we think anything is possible possible more than we realize you know it's just unrealistic
0: absolutely (laughs) any final thoughts
1: no, but I'm curious as to what advice you would give your younger self.
0: Uh, one advice i give myself is stay classy. No, I'm kidding. Um,
1: classy, not trashy.
0: <laughs> I would, honestly, one thing I would tell myself, my younger self, is be confident in who I was. There's a lot of people you now, the whole Charismatic men, entertainment, the whole, you know, just the package itself. I think a lot of people see it and think everything is good. But there was a long time in my life where I struggled with who I was, struggled with my identity, uh, my self worth, my self confidence. And it took, you know, many, many years up until I think when I was like 23 to finally figure out who I was as a person. And, uh, I think for me, I would say, accept who I am and be confident Cause I see a lot of people, unfortunately, but a lot of low self esteem, a lot of low self confidence, and you see how it impacts them and usually not in great ways. And I think that's something if anybody takes away from this podcast, is to love yourself and be confident who you are, because at the end of the day, the only person who can really make you happy truly is yourself, you know, Don't you agree with that? No. You better cause I kick you off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. We're already <laughs> ending this. Where are you gonna kick me off to?
0: uh cause I want to be by myself for the last moment with the with the audience, with the fans.
1: hey, okay. you want me to go? I can go. Where can people find you? Where can people find me? Well, like I said last time, I am the person with the picture credits under every single one of your posts on Instagram. Um, Oh, yeah. My name is Natalie Forster. I have two underscores in between my first and last name, if you want to search me on Insta. Um, I also have a link in my Insta bio to a blog that I have not used in however many months, but I'm trying to convince myself to get back into because I need to end the year on a strong note. Um, so, if you have any interest in what my opinions are, or you're just really curious as to what stupid girl is attracted to Mr. Percy Brown over here, hmm. you are more than welcome to read up a little bit more about me. Um, but yeah, if not, you can just find me roaming the streets of New York, maybe on occasion.
0: Yes. Yeah. Roaming <laughs> my city, like the lost person. Roaming your is. city. I'm a lost
1: puppy. I'm a black cat. We have been over this.
0: No, still my you city. are the
1: puppy. I am the cat.
0: You're a tourist. This is my city.
1: It's fine. I've only been here like a year, so I am still a tourist. Yeah, to I got degree.
0: 23 years on you. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but you're not here now.
0: Oh, well, technically, so I'm, like, always, I'm always in New York.
1: Mm-hmm. So you don't have a New York address. So. Yes, I do. It's called my mom's mm-hmm. house. That does not count. Yes, it does. That does not count.
0: Tell that to the IRS.
1: If you don't have,
0: unbelievable. <laughs> uh. Uh. <I'm> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you came on. I think it it's nice to being able to talk about uh, important things, but also have good conversations, and this was fun. That's probably the most comedy I've cracked on the episode since I started. Even though I, co- I feel
1: like I... there is no comedy here, no, so no, like you not, gotta no, step no, your no, no, game up. No,
0: it's not that it's no comedy. It's my my charisma just oozes too much and it overpowers. You gotta step
1: your game up. I want to hit You gotta get some real jokes, not some don't, trite shit. Don't, don't, yeah. don't you?
0: Don't you got a blog to write?
1: Step your game up. Actually, I'm about to go stream. Aladdin, not the movie, the TV series that is only on YouTube because Disney Plus has yet to add it and it makes me very annoyed.
0: That's I, what I'm doing with my night. All I know is the great. only things <laughs> I love more than you right now is s s l e e p, And with that, you know, like I always say, <laughs> a helping hand is a better hand. Thank you to my wonderful big pain for coming <laughs> on. She'll, I'm sure she'll be on uh, in more episodes. We actually got a huge topic that we're going to talk about soon, and I think everybody's going to have an opinion on it. But we'll be the first to break the news. So um,
1: I mean, the you. news is broken, but like uh, they, uh, they just don't know, know what, what it mean. is yet. Why, why, uh-huh. why you and no. You saw- no, I'm not pregnant before oh, yeah. podcast listeners started thinking that. But <laughs>
0: inflation, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, One baby yeah, I'm like too five. young for that. I am too young for that. I'm too broke for that. I I'm think just think saying the way are. you worded it, that we're breaking the news. Well oh. you gotta be careful with the wording here, sir.
0: Yeah, like the other day when I said, No, nah, I'm not gonna go there. It's like show. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let's call it before somebody gets uh in trouble here. You know, I'm sorry FBI. Yes, sir. <laughs> well thank you, Natalie, for coming on. I'm glad to thank have you. you. Like I always say, I hope a helping hand is a better hand.